From the southernmost point of Dorne to the lands of always winter and what is west of Westeros to the shadows of the east, this is Castle Talk, a live recording edition. I'm Ken Napsock. Hey friends, welcome to the mostly Star Wars studio, but this is uh, where also I do casually talk. A lot of you probably know that. You might be listening in podcast form, still releasing this particular episode as a podcast, but uh, because we're podcast first, as I always like to say, which is just a reminder that that's why I'm wearing a beanie and don't... uh, you know, trim my Davos-like beard today. Uh, but also going to have some fun uh, getting some attention on the YouTube channel today by uh, going live here on the YouTube channel for Casually Talk as we try to build that up and build that out as we race towards House of the Dragon. So we've got some people checking in today, already watching live. I'll be calling on those comments. If you've got questions, kind of a general form today. I'll cover what we're going over in a second. Uh, Victor's here, says, in a work meeting. So uh, really excited to listen in today. I love... I love when listeners and viewers have one eye on work and two eyes, because we're all three-eyed ravens here on Casually Talk. Got Valerian the Conqueror. Cheers to you, says Lord Navsock is here. I am just, uh, I'm just a peasant. I'm from Flea Bottom. Ranger Donald is here as well. Eric Monroe, thank you all for checking out the show live today. A lot of fun. Uh, and uh, we'll be getting some people uh, calling in to the show. I say calling in, but really they'll be streamyarding in, uh, which uh, if you are a Patreon supporter of mine at patreon.com slash you can uh, access that StreamYard link, and I'll bring some people in. Eric Monroe is a big Atlanta Braves fan, and uh, he says in chat, off topic, but my Braves won the World Series. You know what? It's on topic because it's a victory. And we're always about winning and losing these big battles here at Castle Talk. Uh, and that's a big victory there. LQ is here as well. So happy to have you all. Um, we've been doing the big Game of Thrones rewatch, of course. Uh, went back to uh, season one, episode one, and it was a while ago now. Uh, but we're still going strong. We just wrapped up season three. Next week, I'll start diving into season four as we um, uh, go deeper into the show. Not just look back, not just relive it, but, and talk about the episode's legacies and what was the, the episode known for and what there may be remembered for even more now, but diving into the big themes and lessons that I think are in the show and uh, taking that big uh, deep dive into what the show is trying to tell us and what the show maybe, I'm not just saying setting up in that, that plot detail sense, but just telling you here's what's happening in the story, here's the way it's going to go forward and, and how that all ties into some of the later seasons. Whether you love them or not, that stuff is there. But happy to have you here. We're going to be looking ahead to uh, House of the Dragon couple of news updates here. I love checking into that, so we'll get to that in a second. Uh, Will McClain is here as well. Also uh, an Atlanta fran- uh, fan, I believe, too, as well. So Eric and Will can uh, cheer about them uh, Them uh, Braves baseball players winning the big World Series. That's, again, like a big medieval fight. I said, like, I said that like someone who doesn't watch baseball and hasn't watched baseball religiously for 30-plus <laughs> years. Uh, the Atlanta professional baseball sporting team. Uh, the Nye Mets are my favorite baseball squadron. Uh, so uh, let's take a look here, and it's... Uh, We'll open up the forum here in a second. So if you're uh, preparing to access the show via that StreamYard link in my Discord, uh, you uh, can uh, get ready to do that uh, shortly here. Uh, I did want to look back as we wrap up Season 3 and go uh, into uh, Season 4 on the Game of Thrones rewatch. Uh, I just, uh, I was really curious uh, for my own, uh, just uh, my, own, my own fandom where Season 3 would eventually uh, land for me. Uh, I don't love doing the ranking things. It's fun to rank the seasons, but season three does fall lower and lower on the charts for me over time. 
only because I think there's some giant important things in that uh, season. But I think it's mixed in with some of uh, some of the more uh, piece moving episodes, setup episodes. I don't believe in filler episodes as a concept, but this this uh, this had a couple had the beginning of the season. You always are setting the pieces, and then it kind of redid it again in the middle of the season. And, and where would that lie? And I'm I'm happy to report that, that looking back on season three, I've I connected with a lot more of what is in that season in terms of the big themes and, 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 the, and the lessons and the motifs that are, are, are moving the show forward. And I really do season, see season three as this important shift in the show. It's truly a closing of the, of the chapter. And the Red Wedding's a big, painful, gruesome, uh, brutal changing of that uh, uh, book and ch- turning the page and changing uh, over to a new chapter of the show. Season four is about to begin here on the rewatch. And of course, uh, you think immediately season four, you think of Oprah Martel, Pedro Pascal coming on the show, Alaria San, so many wonderful new characters, uh, while also some of our, our favorites are, are um, already transitioned out by the time season, fee- season four starts. And by when season four gets going, we get to that purple wedding and we lose uh, even another pillar of the show. Uh, so uh, I've just been really looking at season three as this important season in terms of the overall feeling of the show, particularly around Jon Snow and Daenerys Targaryen. And what do you guys feel about that? And what season three is saying about those characters? Uh, and how when this when season three ends, you you really are tying so much hope onto Danny. We talked about that last week. The Misa moment, problematic as it may be with today's uh, lens uh, of 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 uh, our viewership, um, it's still an important and powerful moment for Danny, who begins the season looking for an army because she needs an army. She's learned she has to do these these things herself, but she does need an army. She's got some ships maybe now, but she needs an army. And then uh, after Astapor, she uh, goes on to Yunkai, and that's where she decides to use her power and maybe set aside a little bit of her charging destiny that she feels, her, her, uh, her, the, the right to the throne, the right to, right to her family's uh, land, so to speak. Uh, she wants to use that power for good. Uh, she's not yet quite at the breaking the wheel point, but she wants to keep rescuing people, uh, freeing people uh, from all sorts of bondage, which she herself was in a few times in her life. And that's where the show kind of ends and how that's important for her and how that's going to be challenged, how Danny's going to be kind of whittled, whittled away uh, um, for better and, and definitely for worse. And I love how that show, um, that show really, that season really kind of sets Danny up for a lot of that stuff while also refocusing John's lesson. I keep mentioning Mance Raider and uh, episode one of season three, really telling John, oh, I know what you want to be. You want to be a hero, which John to that point does. And he still wants to be at the end of it. That's why I think a lot of the the, the go- feeling he needs to go home and leaving Egret, which is probably the right decision. But I think it now becomes uh, a decision for John about the people. And he's picked up, the, the wildlings have gone to free folk for him at this point already. He's learned so much from Egret. He's learned so much in season two, so much in season three, because I think in season two, he had the rug pulled out of him, uh, underneath him for what he believes, for what he was uh, raised to believe about why the wall was there, why we're fighting, and how he is transitioning towards that, um, that soul who will fight for everyone. Uh, and that's the power of season three as he moves forward, too. So uh, checking in on that kind of stuff. Uh, we got some comments coming in. Love these comments. Uh, Eric Monroe, uh, who uh, always chimes in, uh, uh, season three is middle of the road for me, but it's a lot to love. I do agree the finale was the weakest, though, with the finales. Yeah, and that's another thing, too. Uh, you know, if we're going to rank finales, which is part of the fun of being a fan, that finale does fall a little flat for me. Only, I think, because of the Red Wedding. 
I think just that that it, it was just impossible. Not even, uh, I don't want to say continue the momentum, but just we are all still recovering, and we wanted immediate revenge, and the closest we got revenge was Arya killing the Freyman there. Uh, Nathan's here. Nathan says, completely agree. The end of season three is the beginning of the transition into greatness. I rolled my R's because it's there. And Trey T is here as well. Uh, Eric goes on to say, this season three is the sh- uh, season that showed John what loving someone means. I love that take, Eric. He went back to the watch because his heart is always loyal to watch above all else. Yeah, and I think that, that that starts to be challenged for him. He is loyal to the watch, but it's the watch that's going to kill him. And how do we get to that point? And this is, uh, this is one of those big transitions where, again, he is learning what it is to be a hero. I always say this, John Snow's season six moment in front of the charging uh, uh, Ramsey Bolton army is a beautiful shot. It is majestic. It is epic. It is John pulling out that sword that, that is uh, in front of the charging army. It's, it's brave. It's also John at his most foolish. It's John at his most uh, impassioned in a bad sense. It's, it's, a, it's a mistake moment for John, and he's saved by others uh, and would have been saved sooner if he learned his sister. And I see, so that's why I think John has so much more to learn about what it is to be a hero, but he's picking up these big lessons. And I love what you're saying, Eric, about John in season three, really, truly learning to love. And that's something that's pretty powerful there. Um, all right. Um, and... Uh, uh, Justin C says, "Question: Why is season four the best? Laugh out loud! Every episode is so good. I, I, uh, season four is an interesting season for me too. There's so many things that I, I, I love in it, and, but I'm, I, I don't have that, that ominous feeling I had going into season three. Of do I like season three as much as I thought I did, or do I not like it as much as I thought I loved it? You know, the big confusion. I don't have that season four because Oberyn Martell, because Pedro Pascal, Purple Wedding. There's so much going on." Uh, we really get more with Baelish. Baelish and Varys not really present in season three, which might be one of the reasons I don't love season three as much. They've got great things. When they're there, they're great. Conleth Hill in the background is great. Uh, Baelish, uh, Aiden Gillen, great. But I think love seeing them kind of, uh, especially P- uh, Peter Baelish, uh, Aiden Gillen, shown back up more in season four there. Uh, Nathan has a follow-up to his point there. At this point in the show, it it's re- really sets these two up as important characters. Uh, and then ask Nathan asked, were you shipping these two as a couple? I never really was, but I, I think maybe in the back of my head it made some sort of sense. Um, and because, again, the, you know, the, with, with George R. R. Martin still having, ha- having not finished his own story, uh, that title of A Song of Ice and Fire always just rang true. What is that, what is that meaning? And, and here you got ice and here you got fire, John and Danny. So them being intertwined in any way, shape, or form made some sort of sense to me. Um, Knowing or feeling or thinking, and R plus uh, L equals uh, J at some point, and I used to wear that T-shirt, still have that T-shirt. Uh, having that in the back of my head, it always maybe that kind of pushed me off. Uh, not that I, you know, I, I celebrate the love of uh, Cersei and Jamie with a little bit of a you know, distance. I'm happy for you too. I just can't condone it. So I think maybe I was always a little uh, pushed off by that with John and Danny, but I, I, the, the fantasy of them just interacting. Uh, was something I think we always wanted, uh, show or book, right? doesn't matter. Just how you love this story, this world, you want to see them interact. I was part of something um, that was called School of Thrones. It, it came out, I think, after season one or two. We, we shot it with a bunch of great folks. Uh, I, was, I was Coach Balon Greyjoy, coach of the uh, water polo team. And uh, we had some scenes with Don, uh, Danny and John interacting, and it was kind of played as this, like, uh, we all want to see that one day. Um, so look that up too if you've, if you've never seen School of Thrones and see my uh, 
little cameo there, and I did some uh, uncredited writing writing help with that uh, web series there. Um, so yeah, Nathan, I'm um, I'm I'm not wasn't quite there on shipping, but I, I definitely needed to see them interact, and we did, which is also. Why, man, going into season seven and them finally meeting and Danny returning to Dragonstone, things that we've been waiting for for so long. And I thought they played, the, Danny returning to Dragonstone is still one of my favorite kind of like sequences in the show. Uh, that's why I was bummed about set leaks and stuff like that uh, that came. And, and, and it's, you know, spoilers and leak photos and set photos are in the news again today in the movie world. No comment on that. I'm not in that part of the world anymore. Um, but I, I'm careful with them with Game of Thrones. And in talking about House of Dragon, I'm going to talk about some stories uh, today, a couple of stories. But I, I, I'm not going to choose to show the photos and not even discuss the photos in detail. I don't even consider what I'm, I'm, I'm about to discuss in House of Dragon similar to the John and Danny thing. They're just kind of characters, just kind of people, just kind of actors on the set. I don't consider those super, super spoilers because a lot of them are known actors. Um, but if you want to go on completely blind, I understand. But the, the G, G, uh, John and Danny ones from season seven, absolute big moment of the show. And I, and I saw them first accidentally online. So that's why I'm still kind of resistant to that kind of stuff too. Um, all right. Um, more comments on season three. Love this. Ranger Donald. Ranger Donald, it's good to have you here. Uh, some of you in my uh, Patreon page, my Discord, know that uh, Ranger Donald recently had uh, some health problems, but also celebrated a big birthday, was taking some time off. So, Ranger Donald, Donald Long, happy to have you here. Uh, we love having you around here. Season three, going into season four, says to me, closes how the show was and begins to take uh, the shape of the show as we know. I am right there with you. He goes on to say, especially in four, when you see um, they have uh, the start filling some story points going forward, and they're they're passing from the books. Yeah, which is uh, as as I always contend here. If you're relatively new to these parts, whether you're watching or, or listening, I always contend the show thirty seconds in was going its own path. It had a stronger path to follow, and looked and felt more like the books in the first couple seasons, without a doubt. Never going to deny that, but it, it knew it needed to do something different. It knew it had the chance of getting past the books, and it knew it needed to tell its own story thematically, which is why I love analyzing what these episodes, down to an individual level, are telling us about the character's journey in the show. And the books, to me, are almost at this point completely separate. That George, every every week, we're gonna we're just gonna say George, just just pen to paper, pen to paper. Get it done. We're all waiting. Because we want to hear George's version. We want to read George's version. It's going to be spectacular. It's going to have a lot of descriptions of eel pies. And maybe, you know, a lot of the characters just kind of, you know, meander and write themselves into corners. But I cannot wait to see um, not just what syncs up, but just what is different and what has a different feel to it as well. So going back to Ranger Donald's point here, I absolutely love this point of uh, what he's saying of uh, what the show was and, and the show that we that Game of Thrones kind of came to be, including kind of uh, the look, the big kind of look or feel as the budget grew. That was the biggest thing. By the end of season three and going into four, the numbers of the show are spectacular. All, all through season three, Game of Thrones was setting viewership marks for itself, uh, viewership marks for HBO, and HBO by this point really knows. What you always, we always talk about is kind of funny. After season one, after season two, there was always kind of that, will the show get renewed? Yeah, sure, most likely. Yeah, it's probably not uh, at risk. But budget-wise, you know, this has happened before. Shows that were incomplete, networks or, 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 or companies have to let them go. Uh, things aren't working. The money's not being made. That's what happens. It's a business. 
after season three, I think it was never in doubt. I think during season three, it was never in doubt. The numbers were so big. The Emmy nominations were coming in more and more. Uh, and then we go into what the show was, including the look. And Mag- Miguel Sapochnik is one that shows up. And his name we're going to discuss here in a second. Uh, and, and the show gets bigger. And, and that bigger isn't always better. I still think the Battle of Blackwater Bay might be my favorite battle. Watchers on the Wall is very tough to beat for me. The Long Night, hard home sequence. I mean, there's some wonderful things coming, but there's something still that just grabs me about the Battle of Blackwater Bay. It might be because I'm such a Stannis fan. Uh, hey, Laserbolt checking in as well. Eric Monroe talking about season four says the Red Viper steals the show in season four. And my boy Stannis has the finest hour. Yes, uh, Eric Monroe and I are very proud Stannis Baratheon uh, supporters. So, um, you know, we're there for the lessons of, of Stannis. Uh, we're absolutely there for the lessons of Stannis, but we're also there to occasionally still root for him and cheer for him. And at the end of season four, can't wait till we discuss it on the show. But man, I, that, was a, that was the next day at work. I think I was still at Screen Junkies at the time. Uh, uh, no, actually early on. No, that's right. No, that's right. No, uh, I wasn't there yet. I was there for season six, which was the downfall, <laughs> post the downfall of Stannis. Um, season four, it was like showing up to work. Uh, and just kind of look, telling all the people, see, I told you, I told you Stannis was good. I had a feeling it wouldn't last long, but uh, it was there as well. Uh, thank you all for checking in and watching here. We're still going strong here. Casually Talk, the YouTube channel. If you haven't subscribed yet, give us a subscription. Uh, ring that bell. Do all those YouTubey things. You know, I've been a YouTube a long time, but, I, you know, you want to hit a bell or not, I don't care. Shame, shame, shame your way to, you know, knowing when the shows are on. Uh, also, you can use the hashtag Casterly Talk on Twitter when talking to me at CatNapsock, and I'll find the uh, the. Uh, a uh, question you have, that's especially for episodes that are on the way in the rewatch. Because I sometimes tape the episodes ahead, if you have a specific question about an episode, just go ahead and tweet me. Use that hashtag, uh, CasterlyTalk, and I'll find it. The great name of the show that was given to me by uh, uh, still a contributor around here, once I can work out a schedule and start getting back, people back on regularly, the wonderful Lawn Harris. Uh, that was the name we pitched. For those who've never heard that story, I've told a lot. But we had pitched that show to Screen Junkies when we were going to be doing the Game of Thrones show that became Watching Thrones that I uh, hosted with Trish Hirschberger, Michelle Boyd, and Spencer uh, Gilbert. Uh, we pitched Casterly Talk, among many other names. Lawn is so good at names. And so when I launched this, when I turned Daily Thrones into this uh, podcast, I wrote Lawn. I said, can I, can I use that name over here? And he said, yeah. So, of course, Lawn's going to be coming back on the show. Uh, yeah, no, the, you know what, Nathan? Equating to hitting that subscription bell to the shame bell is me, right? It's that self-loathing button I have inside me. <laughs> Subscribe to my channel, hit the bell, and yell shame at yourself for doing so. Uh, it's not just a reference, it's a way of life. Ranger Donald says this, over 10 years ago, nobody uh, did big-budget fantasy shows on TV, at least, and that's so true. Love Battlestar Galactica. I love the Battlestar Galactica re- remake, uh, and of course... Um, a reboot, I should say, and of course, I grew up watching uh, Lauren Green and everyone in the original Battlestar Galactica. I thought it was—I thought it was a Star Wars TV show, quite frankly. I love Battlestar Galactica, but what could they have done with the budget um, that they had now? And the faith, talking about a show that was very critically well received, very well praised from fans, didn't have the budget, didn't have the viewers, and ended up having to go. Um, that's an example, and, and they were they were smoking mirrors and some of those shots and the hangers and everything like that. Uh, so Game of Thrones, you're right. Uh, one of the things that, as as we see now, Wheel of Time coming out, Lord of the Rings, Witcher, 
uh, uh, Last Kingdom, Viking, all these big shows that are they're doing the big fantasy sword and sandal stuff. Uh, obviously, it, a lot of it is owed to, to Game of Thrones and other big time shows that made TV an event. But that budget, man, that season one budget of Game of Thrones is still fun to kind of see up on the screen there. Some more stuff coming in here talking about season three. Uh, Valerian the Conqueror. Another thing to mention about season three compared to the early seasons, it only covers the first half of a book. Its full arc ends at season four. That's so true. And this is, for me, I love always discussing my entry point to Game of Thrones was the show. I mean, I should say Song of Ice and Fire. When I say Song of Ice and Fire, I mean just kind of this whole world we're all, we're all constantly in here and celebrating. Um, but I loved uh, I loved uh, uh, the show so much. I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to pick up the books. And it was like, I finished season one, read book one. Finished season two, read book two. And I really came to this crossroads, Balerian. Uh, I came to this crossroads. was like, I know because we had heard that, you know, season three and four are going to kind of split that book up. And I was like, do I... Do I read halfway through? And I decided not to. I said, I'll wait till after season four then. If that's the case, I'll wait to after season four. And that's why the Red, the Red Wedding was unspoiled for me as a TV event, as a story event. I had heard about it. Heard about there was something called the Red Wedding, but wasn't sure. I thought it was Joffrey's wedding. So I completely caught off guard as I talked about a couple weeks ago here on the show. Uh, and then after that, though, I couldn't wait anymore. Couldn't wait anymore. And I went into season four for me also uh, denotes a period of time as a fan that I knew, uh, quote-unquote, knew everything that was about to happen, which, as we know, is relatively different. You, you Even even sometimes you thought you know, but the show uh, did something differently. Um, here we go. Uh, Willow Show. Yeah, you're, Willow Show coming to Disney+. Plus. There you go. I love Willow the movie, but, man, uh, talk about budgets. Um, you know, uh, there's, there's a show that uh, I'm curious to see what they can do with a bigger budget here. Uh, Nathan says, no sham being a GO2 fan, nor a Castle Talk fan. Um, there you go. I love that. Uh, Heath Hill got, hey, what's up, Heath? I feel like Game of Thrones helped at adaptations because it showed people that one book doesn't have to be one movie. One book can be one season, one half, or two movies. Dune, a.k.a. what's appropriate. Yeah, that's a, that's a great thing to talk about, too, Heath. Adaptations are always going to be a challenge from book to screen, always going to be a challenge. Comic book, graphic novel to screen, always going to be a challenge. The, the, the TV shows and the movies have to tell their own stories. And we saw, I think, first, I think there is some, some correlation to Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings, which was, what, going to be one movie, and then two movies, and then he had a fight to get that third movie and was able to tell the story. Then still needed to go back and do those wonderful expanded ed- ed- editions, which is uh, the director cuts of Lord of the Rings are the only ones we watch in this house. And then from that, you you, you know, George R. Martin famously for years, number one said, I, I wrote Game, uh, Game of Thrones Song of Ice and Fire to not be adapted, as we all know. And then two, so many offers came in, especially after Lord of the Rings, about this is a perfect property to do it. And I love that it, the way it worked out. And it's still a miracle how, how it happened. Betty Off and Weiss uh, getting that job, um, a lot of people thoughts and comments on that, uh, but it was almost a miracle that happened and that, that, it, that, that after the, the ill-fated first pilot, the fact that this show was able to exist and, and do what it did all the way to the end, whether you love it or not, it pulls you to the end. Uh, and I think, to his point, it just showed that this is what you can do. And, and you know, I have no problem with all these shows that are like, hey, this worked for them. Let's do uh, for us with, you know, especially Wheel of Time. I know so many Wheel of Time fans are so excited for the show. Uh, I'm not familiar with Wheel of Time other than um, I, I know a lot of the minor details of the plot and I've had some uh, some friends in my life who are just such passionate uh, Wheel of Time fans, um, including a lot of you might know Joe Starr from the old Screen Junkies days uh, um, uh, over there at Fandom. He's, he, you go into his house, he has like all of, what is it, 19 books on the top shelf. So a lot of people excited, yeah. And Heath, I think that's a great point, showing that, hey, this is 
it's not just about throwing money at the wall. It's about what story can you tell? And um, will people, uh, you know, who aren't normally fantasy fans pull in? Another thing, looking back on the on Game of Thrones as a show, like I, I know I know fans. In fact, Spencer Gilbert was one of them over watching Thrones. He wasn't there for the magic. He wasn't there for the dragons. He actually kind of didn't love that stuff. He loved the politics. He loved the inner workings. He loved the character stuff. And I think that uh, he's not someone who's, um, you know, not against any kind of fantasy stuff. He works in that nerd world. But, but I know fans who, who always were kind of like, you know, uh, the magic stuff kind of throws me off. I like the fighting. I like the politics. And uh, most often those people also like the sex. But, hey, you know, sex vision started to drop off after season two, right? Uh, Nathan's got a, Nathan Eckert's got a question here. Knowing how the show ends, do you or anyone here still recommend reading the books? Uh, good question here. So Eric says, uh, Nathan, both, uh, it's on our own thing, though. Uh, go that way, and I think you'll be pleased with the books. Yeah, Ranger Donald says, I didn't know it was a book till I started watching the show. I kind of in the same way. My friend used to always joke that they made a book out of this show, uh, and there's some truth that to me. I, I knew it was a book. I knew it was coming. I saw, a little, I saw a little featurette on on HBO, I think. And I remember George R. R. Martin talking about Winterfell, and oh, I'm so happy with how it, it looks. And I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's this book series coming out. But I, I didn't know much more about the books other than I had some employees of mine who were reading the books and were always talking about the books. And I just, I didn't know what they were talking about. I probably had everything spoiled. I just, they always were talking in the break room. Uh, Richard Donald says, uh, didn't know his book. Finished season five with John and went, well, now I got to read the books to find out what happens. And, <laughs> and then insert surprise and disappointment. Uh, Nathan adds to his uh, early comment, I know the books haven't caught up to where the show ended, but I feel like the ending of the show would influence my reading of them. That's a great question, Nathan. I think that's a great question. If you are a show fan, and I know a lot of people who are show only in the sense of, hey, I don't really read the books. Uh, I was going to after the show ends. And, and regardless of any feelings about how the show ends, just knowing, and if you do, if you're like me, you love how the show ends because I love how the show ends. That is going to have, there's a contrast to compare is going to happen. And getting into the mind of George R. 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 Martin on why it, it's taken so long and, and I, I, you know, uh, making jokes at George's expense is, is not, by now it's a, it's a moot point. He's going to finish him when he wants to finish him and, when he, and he, when he feels it's right, which is in truth what I want as a fan. But uh, I, I wonder if even he uh, has to contrast and compare. And I'm not saying I, I occasionally I can go down that conspiracy theory route where I think George R. R. Martin is in his office kind of going, well, what if I did this because they did this? Uh, you know, I don't think he's going to do it out of spite. But I, I just wonder if he if naturally some of those things might come up because George has admitted he writes. He, I made the joke earlier about writes characters in the corners. He just kind of spirals off some of the stories. He admits that he writes and writes and writes. He writes a, in, a, in a different kind of fashion, and, and he might take the story elsewhere. He knows clearly where he wants to go. He knows what the Song of Ice and Fire is about, and I still think the show picked up some of those bigger beats. Uh, case in point, George mentioned, yeah, Hodor dies in the show. Somewhat similar, but mine's also completely different, but also the same. It's We'll find out when we get there. So, Nathan, I think, I think at this point you are safe to go in and start reading those books. And one of the reasons I think you're safe to go in is, number one, they're damn good. There's a reason we all love this world. If you're show only, there's a reason you love the world that the show is playing around in and the characters that the show is playing with. That clearly comes from George, clearly comes from the book. So I recommend doing it. It will also, I think, expand your joy of the show. Uh, never And never confuse that knowledge with um, what the show's actually doing. And I think that was... 
not to get philosophical, I think that's part of the, the problem with a lot of fandoms, um, and, and specifically the, the, the Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire fans. You can't help but contrast and compare. And I think there was a narrative that the show was following the books, the show was following the books, and then the show didn't have the books, so therefore it had to go wonky. It's not the case. It couldn't be the case. The show was doing its own thing from the beginning, just had a little tighter path to follow. That we know, like I said earlier, can't deny that. But I think, Nathan, if you read the books now, even with the show in the rearview mirror, I think you get a be- uh, even a, a, a better um, appreciation. I almost said understanding, but that's not 100% right. But you get a better, better appreciation of the world. There's those little details that are definitely in the show that someone like Brian Cogman would make sure, the keeper of the lore when it comes to Game of Thrones for that writing team. He, he'd put things in, one-off references, Easter eggs, even those kind of things. I just think occasionally that stuff is viewed as plot. Um, and if you go down the path, I always give the example of Quaith because Quaith is a, is a great character to look at and go, wow, this is a mysterious character that shows up in season two, has all these words of, of warning and wisdom for Jorah. And in the books, she's got more to do. And in the books, you start pulling out these wonderful theories. Casually Talk is just part of a bigger Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire podcast, pundit, YouTube ecosystem. And I listen and watch so many other channels, and you should too. Uh, History of Westeros is a great one. Uh, uh, Alt-Shift-X is another great one. But I, I also thought that you could pull out so many wonderful theories about Quaith, the, the, the uh, share of C-Star theories and everything. And, and, and then when they don't show up in the show, you, you just naturally think maybe you're going to feel disappointed or feel shortchanged when the show never told you it was going to do that. The show never made those claims. It just said, here's this character, Let's use this character. This character has a relationship uh, to Danny more in the books than Jorah, but we can use this character to kind of uh, feed stuff to Jorah, help his story, use him for those themes, and that's all it needed to do. And I think, though, you'll, you'll appreciate Quaith even more if you read the books. That's just one minor minor example for me. Uh, yep. Uh, yeah, see, there you go. Rolaren uh, says, yes, read them. When season eight ended, the series didn't finish for me. It was only the beginning. That's when I picked up the books. It's been one of the best journeys I've taken. Balerion the Conqueror, for a conqueror, you're also very nice and sweet, um, much like Danny. I think that's great. Yeah, yeah. Because um, it's this world. That's what I. That's where I'm re- where I'm really at now in my Game of Thrones uh, and Song of Ice and Fire and soon House of the Dragon fandom is this idea of it is not just a show for me and it's not just the books. It's this world. It's this world, these characters full of things that make me think about my own life, lessons, uh, enjoyments, little moments, big moments. Uh, I love this just as much as I love something like Star Wars, which obviously uh, I'm more known for these these past few years. But Game of Thrones is this wonderful world to to crawl into. So Nathan, I think think on Balerion, the Conqueror's advice, start that journey. The, The show ends, it's only part of the journey. Keep the journey going, pull into the world. And I can't recommend enough once maybe you do that, uh, dive into Fire and Blood, too. Uh, I'm actually going to reread the Dance of the Dragons Fire and Blood section as we get ready for House of the Dragon. Storm of Swords, says Eric Monroe, is my all-time favorite book ever. I mean, look, look, uh, that is amazing. Uh, I absolutely love that. Uh, Eric, what are the other choices? Is it like a Garfield uh, 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 comic strip book, maybe Farside, and then Storm of Swords? That might be my list. Um, Nathan comes back and says, that's a great point. I pick up more each time we watch the show that I imagine or anyone would pick up uh, even more by reading them. Yeah, yeah, it just it just expands it. Uh, got a great comment coming here from Andrew, but also I want to shout out Victor Bracamontes, 
uh, with a very generous Streamlab donation uh, sent for all the free content and passion. Man, Victor, uh, I love that, man. That really makes a lot, uh, uh, it makes me feel good, man. Uh, just a man in a beanie talking about something I love. Uh, and so happy to have House of Dragon down the pipeline. But if House of Dragon didn't exist and no prequel series and no animated series were coming, I'd still be here. Uh, because that's what this show and these books and these worlds and these characters and these lessons and these themes mean to me. It's something I'm going to carry with me. That's why I love it so much. I get I get made of made fun of sometimes. I hear some of the sniggering behind my back by some of my coworkers, some of my friends. He's still talking about Game of Thrones. He's still talking about Game of Thrones. It's not just a TV show for me. It is definitely a, a property, an IP, a franchise, a world that I love, love, love exploring and love going into little corners. And I love the wild, wild theories. And I love hearing some of the disappointments. There's some great points of people who don't love season eight that I love listening to. I love season eight. Season eight is really one of my favorite seasons. Um, but I love hearing the discussions. I love hearing why it didn't work beyond just some of the blanket statements. That's why, that's why the, the show didn't have the books one. And no one here today was suggesting it. But uh, when it gets mentioned, it, it's, it's just one of those things I swat away because it just it's a bad, it's a false narrative of why things didn't work. It, maybe it didn't work for you, but it wasn't just as simple as they had nowhere to, they made it all up. They knew what they were doing, particularly if you go back to season three. That's some of the big stuff with Johnny, Johnny, Danny and John. That was that their, was that their ship name? Johnny Targaris now? Um, I really think some of the groundwork is being laid there and being laid there well. Andrew, I want to get to this comment here. It says, hey, Ken, big Force, Fanner, Force Center and Schmodown fan. Been loving the GOT episode lookbacks. What are some non-book characters you thought were good additions to the show? Thought Locke in season three was good. That's a that's a great, great choice there. Locke, um, uh, with Noah, Noah Taylor, right, is Locke, who's uh, the roadie from Almost Famous. He's the Stillwater roadie. <laughs> I absolutely love him because of that. He was also in uh, in the Tomb Raider movies, right? He's so good. Locke, yeah, that's a great one there. I, I There's so many choices, and I want to hear some of your... Um, I want to hear some of your choices here in chat, too, if you're watching along live here on YouTube, uh, of, 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 of non-book characters that work well in the show. I, I do go to Talisa. I go to Talisa a lot because I think it really was necessary to spend time with the, the, the person that Rob Stark fell in love with to throw it all away. And, and as we know, George doesn't really do that. It's uh, what, Jane Westerling, right? It's it's thing. Rob, as we know famously, not a POV character in the book, which is fine. That's not a, that's that's fine, but he's an actor. You got Richard Madden. He starts bringing this character to life, and I love that Benioff and Weiss have said, and they say it in some of the um, the the uh, special feature stuff in season three. Of of we after season one, we we started writing more for him. Be which is the show has that that freedom to do that. Um, uh, to to go, hey, let's start exploring this more. And, and Richard Madden brings Rob Stark to life. Uh, even more than we can imagine. And I think you had to have someone like that uh, to make it have more impact, to make it work a little bit better in the sense of, you know, she's that, that brutal stabbing, which some, you know, I guess you could argue, do you 100% need that in terms of just violence on TV? Maybe not. But it was, a, it was, it just, it just broke all of our hearts. And it's, and it's, and it's, it's definitely pulling on our, our heartstrings a little bit. I mean, she's talking about naming the kid Ned, little, little, little Ned Eddard, uh, the, the third or whatever, second. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how many, I forget how many Eddards are in the Stark family. Um, and so it's pulling on our strings a little bit there, but it just made it all more worth it for me. So I think Talisa for me still might be 
one of my one of my favorites uh, in terms of uh, show only characters there. So curious in chat, toss some at me there. Um, and pretty soon we're gonna open up the um, we're gonna open up the Streamyard line. The link is in the Discord in the Casterly Talk uh, section of my Canapsock uh, Discord uh, page. Uh, and uh, if you're a Patreon supporter, you get access to that. Uh, please uh, fire up your camera, get on in, and if you know if you don't want to get on camera and just want to have your voice on the show, don't worry. You bring uh, do that as well. I'll bring I'll bring in a faceless shot. Um, one thing I did want to talk about though uh, is a little bit of House of the Dragon. All right, it's your House of the Dragon news roundup and a look forward to, and I want to hear your thoughts, and we'll come back to any thoughts you guys all have about uh, show-only characters that you uh, enjoy. I love going to two news sources for Game of Thrones, and I highly recommend that you check them out. Uh, I highly recommend that you spend some time on these um, two websites. I love going to Watchers on the Wall. I love going to WinterIsComing.net. A lot of fun stuff. So um, go with, uh, you know, if you want to go into House of the Dragon completely blind, maybe you haven't read Fire and Blood, maybe you don't know too much about it, um, uh, then, um, then, uh, you know, go to those websites with caution. Sorry, I was distracted by a comment here. I'm going to bring this comment up. Show only is it want to go is all. Yeah, uh, sorry. That caught my eye. Ranger Donald will come back to that. Yeah. So let me, uh, let's go first to uh, Watchers on the Wall. Luca Nieto, Nieto posted a story of uh, House of the Dragon shooting in uh, Spain. It's a series. Is that uh, how you say it? Probably not the way I mess up names a lot. Uh, and there's a lot of cool shots. Again, um, we're especially this week and like the, over in the movie news world, which I'm thankfully not a part of anymore. Uh, a lot of talk about what shots you should be discussing and sharing, and and I generally, especially when it comes to Star Wars, I pull back on all of it. So I'm not going to discuss some of the, um, the the pictures in detail. Uh, you can look at them if you want if you, to go to the Watchers on the Wall. Uh, we got maybe uh, a revelation of who will be playing. Uh, the uh, Kingsguard twin brothers, Eric, uh, Arik and Eric Cargo. Uh, we got a possible speculation on that. We got some great shots um, of uh, the look of the Gold Cloaks, City Watch, uh, back in the day there. Uh, that looks uh, pretty cool as well. And just, it's amazing just to see the show come to life. Um, I... Uh, love seeing that kind of stuff. Again, I'm 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 trying to dance around, not seeing anything I don't want to see. Watchers of the Wall, I think, is generally a pretty responsible site there, so I would trust them not to share a, a big moment of two characters meeting or a death or something like that. It's right now just fun speculation, and I just love seeing it. I just love knowing that that stuff is uh, being shot and it looks great. And we'll talk about the look of the show in a second. So shout out to Watchers of the Wall for uh, posting those things there. Uh, going back to some questions, Balerian the Conqueror says, Can you recommend a history of Westeros in 2019? They just started their Valor Reredis, where every week they read seven chapters and review them. It's a great series to follow along like a book club. Yeah, uh, I have not taken um, a dive into their book rereads um, too much, but I love the channel, love the podcast. Uh, especially during the, 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 the show, during the run of the show, they were a podcast that I love going into because they're so book heavy. 
And there's always a danger of being book heavy when you're trying to review the show. If you're too tied to what's there, too tied to the theories, too tied to the plots and the characters that are at play in the books, uh, I think you can overlook what's going on in the show. But History of Westeros is such a knowledgeable Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire, and I'm sure House of the Dragon resource. I always recommend it. Like I said, Casually Talk is part of this larger uh, ecosystem. Uh, I want to talk uh, about the winner is coming dot net stories. Dan Selke's got two stories he posted that uh, are, are really interesting to me. The first one, uh, picking up uh, the reason I really want to bring up the the watchers on the wall story, just kind of looking and seeing the pictures and seeing the the gold cloaks as they will be two hundred so years ago. It looks like the show. It looks like Game of Thrones. And that is important to me, and it's important to a lot of people, though I need the show to feel like its own, right? And I think there's this weird place if you're trying to market the show, if you're HBO, and if you're trying to design and create and shoot the show. You know, Game of Thrones was uber popular, immensely popular. Um, But you also know it ended with a little bit of uh, shadows around it. I'm not going to deny that as someone who loves season eight. I'm going to deny, you can't deny, there was some conversations around the final couple seasons. So it's like a political candidate. (laughs) It's like if you're running from a particular party and you're trying to get your vote, but the, the person that came before you from the same party, even if they were say, the president or something, or uh, the senator, the the mayor of the city, even though, uh, you know, you're trying to get the people that voted for them, but you're also trying to split the the hairs there, thread that needle, and separate yourself from some of the stuff that they might have uh, brought upon themselves. There's some of the stuff they might have said, but you're still trying to come over with me while also trying to bring in new people or trying to bring back people who were maybe turned off by this mayor for right or wrong reasons. I I see House of the Dragon kind of having to be in that spot where it it is uh it is it's definitely its own thing. It needs to be its own thing, but you can see by some of the designs it's playing in that TV world and it has to kind of sit there. So Dan Selke ran a story uh, on uh, winteriscoming.net that I liked, uh, and that was uh, showrunners Ryan Condal and Miguel Sapochnik uh, were sitting down for an interview with Newsweek, so you can link to the actual Newsweek story if you want. But uh, Dan pulled out this quote that I thought was interesting. I want to get your guys to take on it if you're watching live. I've been involved in the franchise for a while. This is Miguel Sapochnik speaking, and I think it's really important that the franchise evolve. It's not the same story. It's not the same characters, and therefore it needs visual, visually evolution. But at the same time, you know, people want to see Game of Thrones, and we shouldn't shortchange them of that. I love that answer. I absolutely love that answer. It's a little political speak. It's just vague enough to make all the sense you want it. Um, it is saying that the show itself, which includes right now, we've seen some casting that's already, uh, I think, making for a more diverse cast, which is, 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 I think, something that's necessary and something that's wanted. Um, so just in that regard, it's going to be look and feel different. Um, I said I said recently on, on the rewatch, um, talking about, actually, it was the last episode out. Yeah, we were talking about the, the Mises stuff which has a little bit of the, 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 the bad taste of the white savior trope and, and how it did look different in the books. It was designed to be different in the books. The people of Yunkai were uh, of all uh, 
races and colors and creeds. All of them had been enslaved, and and the show didn't do that. George has given answers. Um, he was a little bit maybe a little bit more involved in the show back then. It was local casting, and everything. At the end of the day, it looks what how it looks, and at the end of the day, that doesn't necessarily stand up to the test of time. I think it's still a great story point, and I think it's still a, a beautiful moment. It's very important for Danny. Uh, uh, you, I think you can try to separate those two talking points. But if I, I said this, and, and this is just my theory. I'm not saying it's right. It's just Game of Thrones was developed. Hell, hell, the book was written in a different time. And thankfully, we've hopefully all grown as a society. And, and our demands uh, as, as viewers are a little bit different. What we expect and what we want, what we want to see, what we want you to try to get to is a little bit different. Uh, we always change the way in which you watch things. Um, and that's a good thing, because if, if the demands of telev television viewers didn't change in 2011, I don't think Game of Thrones would have worked. Following a show like Sopranos or Lost uh, are some of those big shows that turned TV into something else. I grew up in an era where TV was the lesser. It was the lesser form of entertainment. Yes, you had the great sitcoms. Yes, you had uh, the great dramas, maybe Dallas or Dynasty, uh, you know, or, you know, Falcon's Crest. Maybe you were all watching that. It was appointment television. I grew up watching MASH, was, which was a very uh, important show. A lot of the Norman Lear stuff in the 70s, very important stuff. But our demands and what we wanted out of TV changed, and it made it bigger and bolder. And I think we're in a period of time, too. And I think Game of Thrones came up in a different time where the expectations were a little different, and the show was slow to adapt to it. And I, I don't necessarily think Miguel Sapochnik's just talking about that, but I think the show will feel a little bit different in that regard. We've already heard things, some of the scripts, uh, some of the people say, and I think Ram Jouadi was talking about this, that the scripts were great, and other people were there talking about some of these stories are some of the best that they've seen in Game of Thrones. So I think that's important. I think that's going to be part of it. But then it all boils down to, again, what voters are you taking with you? The people who voted for the last show, are they coming on? And how do you get people who didn't vote for the last show at the end? How do you get them forward? And I think a lot of it has to do with the look and the feel and the vibe. And I cannot think of someone um, more qualified than Miguel Sapochnik. We talked about that season three to season four transition in Game of Thrones. It, it has to do with story. It has to do with think, scope. It has to do with budget. But I think even the look still looks the same. It still feels the same. But I think the look got bigger. And I think someone like Miguel Sapochnik and the way he, he, he put, uh, put big battles together and big episodes together made them so cinematic in a show that was already cinematic. I'm looking for him to take that stuff forward, that big feel, that big scope, um, while also telling their own stories with someone like um, Ryan Condal. So great story, great little quote there. Check it out there if you want more. Newsweek, but winnerscoming.net there. And then the other thing, the final thing, the fun thing we talked about, it, it is still one of my favorite shots of the House of Dragon teaser trailer. And that is the throne itself. Let's bring up that throne. I still have that picture. Boom. It's also, it's also our logo, but here's the picture. Uh, this throne uh, with so many swords and a little bit more. We still don't have the the, the many stairs uh, uh, that the, the, that we know the throne has in the books, which I actually like. I think that works for the book. I've I've always thought this was kind of the better decision for the show, uh, budget reasons or not. It just makes a little bit more sense. But now, uh, now we got the 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 new updated throne, and I love that. And uh, Dan Selke uh, also put a story up on WinnersComing.net uh, talking about just that. 
And he was speaking with uh, 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 veteran TV director Greg Yatenes. Y- uh, Yatenes? I got to get used to some of these new names I'm seeing here. Uh, he's a veteran TV director, though. Uh, Greg Yatenes uh, is, is one of the people stepping behind the camera at the first season of House of the Dragon, uh, Dan Selke writes. Um, and he says, Greg says this, I was so glad that they showed the throne room because that was the thing I was most geeking out about when I saw the concept art for that. Um, I, I love that too. We have the great exchange and Dan quotes it there of, um, of Varys and Littlefinger having that great conversation about the throne. And, and Peter Baelish talking about the throne. It's, bar- it's barely 200 swords but, sto- uh, swords, but it's the legend that we tell ourselves. And we believe the legend. Print the legend is, I think, what basically what um, uh, Baelish was saying. So, but I love, um, I love the, uh, what that throne means. The, the Targaryens at their full, full strength, their full power. Uh, I, think that's, um, I think that's great. I think it's good look. And I think that's a great way to just piggyback, piggyback off of what Miguel Sapochnik was sh- saying about... It's the same show, it's the same world, but it's its own thing, and it's a different time, and that's just one, the one shot, the one thing that I, um, that I just think captures that right now. And it's just great to hear uh, someone behind this show, uh, this uh, Greg Yatenis guy saying, I was so glad, I was geeking out. So glad you all got to see that, is basically what he's saying. That, uh, that's uh, something I love there as well. So, uh, all right, uh, Nathan comes in with a comes back with the stream lab with a history of, uh, of readers' concerns with the show. Would you recommend reading Fire and Blood before the show airs or after it is done? Great question, great question, Nathan, to take us out of the House of the Dragon news discussion. I here's I think it's less of an investment to read the Fire and Blood section. Now, I, I, recommend, I recommend reading the entire Fire and Blood book. And I think you have enough time to do it before the show. It, because it reads like a history book, it is written as, you know, living history for the show. I think, and, and for me, that, was, that made a very uh, enjoyable experience because... Uh, in terms of reading George R. R. Martin stuff, I think George can get a little bloated, in, in, in the best of ways. I, I make the joke about the eel pie thing. It's like, that's, that's a good example of, you're, you're going to describe every meal in detail, and he's going to do it because he can. I, in Fire and Blood, he didn't have that kind of time and didn't have that kind of room, and it's more of a straight, streamlined ex- reading experience for me. But it also kind of does at times read like a history book. This happened, this happened, this happened. And there's stories around it. There's this great, wonderful character, Mushroom, that I hope finds his way into House of the Dragon. But I think the difference, Nathan, with that is I think you'll get a little bit better picture of the lay of the land because it is just the the history of of, of the in-world history of the show in the books. And because they're pulling out this... They're pulling out a lot of the history, as we know, but the bulk of the show will be around this Dance of Dragons... Uh, uh, this Targaryen civil war, the blacks and the greens and all that kind of stuff. And the reason I say all that kind of stuff is because unless you're studying it every day, like say I do with Star Wars stuff, um, I sometimes get a little confused myself of all the players. When Rachel Cushing uh, is, uh, can come back on the show, uh, when I work out my own schedule to have some people on this show a little more regularly, Rachel Cushing is someone who could just, boom, toss out the history of, of, of um, Targaryens and, and all of Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, like it's real, but like it's lived in for her. Um, 
I don't think it's going to destroy any plot or any surprises because I don't know where they're going to necessarily take the show. Uh, it could go different, but I think it still kind of has to end up. And the book is going to... Um, uh, yes, Lauren, we're going to take some calls if you're ready. Get into that stream yard. I, I, I just... I, what am I trying? I think I'm, I think De I think Ranger Donald's explained it better than even I could. Challenge in terms of names to remember and the timeline they go into the series, but it's definitely worth reading if you want to know more going into it. Yes, that's kind of it, Nathan. I think it's just like if you're going to watch a World War II movie and you're a little bit more familiar with the history of World War II and what led us to there, maybe even coming out of World War One, and you just kind of know, you might get a little bit more out of it. You just might not feel as lost in the beginning. And I'm not someone, I, 30 seconds into Game of Thrones, I was lost. Two minutes, 10 minutes into Game of Thrones, I was not lost because they were telling me the characters' names, and I was seeing the characters' names. I'm not one. I love making the joke. Look, a lot of, a lot of names are similar, especially if you're reading the books, but the show did a pretty good job of saying, that's them, this is them, this is us, and this is what we're doing. I think this show will do that as well. So I'm not saying you'll be lost, but I just think you have a bigger picture of the history going into it. Um, is what I think. Uh, and, and Eric uh, um, points out, I love how in season five, Shireen was reading The Dance of Dragons and all about what happened. Yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> that's true, too. Um, absolutely. Um, uh, Shireen, Shireen, spoiling books, uh, uh, spoiling House of the Dragon before we even knew she was spoiling it there as well. Uh, yeah, so anyways, I recommend uh, you do read it. Uh, I, I only hesitate, Nathan, because, again, I don't quite know it's hard to say. How many seasons is the show planned? Uh, is it is it going to be a one and it's done if it doesn't work, or they got something locked in? I don't know all those details. Maybe they're out there on uh, WinnersComing.net or Watchers on the Wall. Um, you could re read Fire and Blood, and then you know you're going to read past Dance of Dragons. It's it's uh, there's 300 years of Targaryen history. This is about about the first 150. So we're waiting for that volume two to take us up to. Uh, uh, more of the present day stuff we know, but I, it, it's it's a section. It's a big section, but it's a section of the book. Um, so you'll learn what happens. That's the only hesitation. If you don't want to know who wins the war between the Greens and the Blacks and who takes control and some of the big events, yeah, then maybe you want to avoid it. But if you if you want to get a, a lay of the land, maybe 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 we compromise, Nathan. Maybe you read in. You read Fire and Blood up until the Dance of Dragons, and then you stop. And then you get the history, which I think the show is going to cover in some kind of flashback uh, capacity or maybe just episodes set in a different time. And then uh, you, you get the lay of the land, and then you won't be spoiled. I, I think you can do that. I think you can do that. All right, so um, we get ready. If you got any calls, we got about 10 minutes left here in the show. So if you want to stream yard in and you are a Patreon supporter of mine at patreon.com slash catnapsock, from there you can access the Discord server. And uh, from there you can go to the Casterly Talk section and you can find a link for the stream yard. So I think Lauren Romo said she was going to try to get in here. Lauren, uh, whenever you're ready, get on in there. Um, and anyone else, uh, we'll take some calls, some live calls, like the old radio days of mine here. Just, I'm looking on the monitor here, and I didn't. Re I've really got Davos after the Battle of Blackwater Bay. <laughs> beard, and necessarily. If you're listening to the podcast, this is the sound of a Davos beard, but a sun drenched. 
Ranger Donald would love to, but my voice is still pretty shot. Ranger Donald, you go ahead and rest up. We'll be here. We'll be doing this again and again. Ranger Donald also has a good point uh, as well. The World of Ice and Fire app is fantastic, and I can't help but recommend that for everything in this world. Yes, uh, let me. That's a great idea. Where did I have an entire GOT section? Um, is this the right app or is this the game? <laughs> it might be the game. Yes, the game. Have you guys ever played this game? If you're watching, this is the the one where you go beyond the wall. I haven't played it in a while. Yeah, I need an update. That's not the one I want. And then GOT Conquest. I have not played. I have not played GOT Conquest in a long time. I don't even know if my castle's still still going on there. That's not the app I wanted. Where is the app? World of Ice and Fire. There we go. If you guys are watching along on YouTube, the World of Ice and Fire app is still uh, one of those things I just love. It is uh, book-based, but some of the design, some of the art that they show is definitely show-based. Uh, and I just love, I'll just do a random, I'll just go through, look at, you know, Aegon Blackfire. Dad is Damon Blackfire the first. Siblings are Aemon Blackfire, Damon Blackfire. Look at that. Place of death. Oh, like it's got all of it. So be careful of spoilers. There you go. You want to learn about Egg and Blackfire? You got it. Um, I just love. So, Nathan, if you haven't ever checked that out, and perhaps you, you have, um, you know, I love my Game of Thrones maps. I, I'll, stu I'll study the Beyond the Wall map and daydream about getting lost up there in the, uh, in the dangerous passes there, the Skirling Pass, uh, you know, how, high, how far do I want to go into the lands of Always Winter. I'll, I'll play around with that map. And that, that can help, too. And maybe the, if they do some kind of, uh, maybe they'll do a bit of an update or something for uh, House of the Dragon. I haven't heard about that there. Uh, Lauren says she's on my way, firing up the computer. You got to turn on that old whirly box, Lauren. Fire up that, uh, what do you got, a gateway? What do you got, a gateway or a ColecoVision? You got to fire up that computer and get in there as well. Ah, here we go. I think uh, we have our first live caller here on Casually Talk. Uh, a lot of you know her from the uh, Geek Broadcast and the Galactic Podcast. She's uh, great over there in the Star Wars world. But let's bring in Lauren Romo. Lauren, how you doing? Seven blessings, Ken. What's going on, buddy? Seven blessings to you, my friend. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. You know what? What's We haven't talked Game of Thrones, which is really funny because we're both huge fans. Yeah. We talk a lot of Star Wars together. So I am... Excited to talk to some Game of Thrones because I love this world that George R. R. Martin built. The show, you're more. I, I think if I'm not, if I'm correct, Ken, you read yeah. the books. You're more of the book reader. I'm yeah. not. So like, I love oh, your yeah. deep dives with in Cast Really Talk because you guys reference a lot of book stuff and talk mm -hmm. about that stuff. So I love, love, love listening to you talk about Game of Thrones as much as I love listening to you talk Star Wars. So. Well, super excited to be here. Man. When I love listening to you talk Star Wars as well. So uh, <laughs> right back at you. So let me start. I want to. I want to hear what's on your mind. I want to give you mm -hmm. the floor here, Lauren. But this. So mm -hmm. you not being a book reader, but a giant show fan. Are you ever going to take that dive, or is it like, eh, hey, wait till George finishes, or it just doesn't factor <laughs> into my fandom? What, what, what's your stance on that? Well, will George ever finish the book? Is really the. That's a fair question. <laughs> That's a million dollar question, right? Yeah. I, I think I will. Eventually, I will. I think. Right now, I, I kind of enjoy the show because mm -hmm. as I and you might be able to, you know, expand on this more than I could. But the books are they're they're dense with yeah. characters and a lot of a lot of things. So I like what the show has done to kind of compact it and make it like you were talking about a little bit earlier, maybe easier to follow and easier to to take with and like, yeah. oh, these people are those people and all that stuff. 
Yeah, so look. Yeah, I, yeah. No, I, I, I'll, I'll say that. And I, this might be a hot take in the Song of Ice and Fire world. Hot take. But I will, I will always say, and I'd be curious to see Donald Long and Eric Monroe, a lot of my other book reader uh, fans in here, and anyone else who's a book reader. I still think season two is a better uh, story than book two, Clash of Kings, which is what it's Ooh, loosely okay. connected and based on, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love Clash of Kings. Storm of Swords is my favorite as well. I'm right there with you too, Eric. Though I do, I do love, uh, I do love a Dance of Dragons. Um, yeah, and, and and that is only because George doesn't. He, there's no, there's no like like a bowling alley. He doesn't have the safety <laughs> bumpers on. When he writes right. a story, he can do whatever he wants. And there's some great stuff in book two, but season two just was like, we can't spend time doing that. We got to do this. And I thought it was a little more streamlined, but that's just yeah. my hot take, Lauren. <laughs> that's a good hot take, Bill. It's a really good hot take. Yeah, I, I think, you know, when, when we talk about Game of Thrones, I think it's such a political thriller mm-hmm. that is in sci-fi. And that's what I think I really gravitated to more as yeah. I like rewatch the show, because I mean, I probably just like you, I've rewatched it so much because it's just it's so good. Because I really, yeah. when you rewatch it, you see things that you're like, oh god, how did I not see that coming in season like four or five? Yeah. Like the connections they make through this entire, you know, world is is amazing stuff. It's it's really good stuff. But love it. I, I got a question for you though, Ken. Hit me for House of Dragons. So yeah. I'm super excited. I. I Targaryens really intrigue me. It's a very interesting family, kind of like their the whole <laughs> you, creed and everything. You could say they're an interesting family. Yeah, <laughs> they've, they've, a, little a little bit. They got some things going on. <laughs> we got some things going on. So, and I'm excited to really dive deep into that family, right? And like you said, the 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 book that is kind of based the show off of. Right. I, I got to read too, and I know it's like you're saying it's more reads like a history like a history book yeah. than maybe like a novel per se. But I'm I'm hoping that they kind of touch on the outside too of like different families. So like, yeah. will we see the Starks? Do they mention the Stark family? Do they mention the Lannisters? Like, I don't know. Maybe you know like where the Lannister dynasty is. Is it even started? Where are they at with it? Like, to, for me, that stuff kind of intrigues me too. Just yeah. as as just a show fan to tie into families and things that I'm aware of. 200 years, you know, after this. So yeah. what, do you think they'll do that? Do you think there's mentions? Yeah, I, I think you're going to have to. And, 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 and mm-hmm. again, the, the, the specific memories don't always jump to me uh, other than some of the early Baratheon stuff, which do tie to right. some of the, the early uh, Targaryen stuff. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think uh, you, especially the Lannisters um, are going to be there. The Starks, we got Torn Stark, the king who knelt, but that's probably a little bit before the time of this story. So they're going to be present, and I think that's going to be, I'm curious to see, going back to what Miguel Sapochnik was saying about this balance, I think think you're going to have to play that game a little bit. And I still think one of the reasons that Blood Moon pilot maybe didn't get picked up, it was was too far back, and the landscape looked a little bit different, and you got to hit those kind of marketing points. So I think they're right. going to be factored in. I think you're going to meet a lot of other wonderful families, uh, yeah. a lot of other things uh, that aren't present in, in, in the show or just only mentioned in the show or mentioned Song of Ice and Fire. You're going to get a really to spend a lot of more a lot more time with um, with, with with those those families and the and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, the the uh, Targaryen uh, you know light. <laughs> families, even though the Targaryens is always interesting. No, in the history of it, uh, in the history over uh, in in the old lands in the old world. Mm-hmm. Targaryens were a little bit down on the social chain. 
They they right. they weren't the top of dogs. They were like, hey, we're out of here. We're gonna go to this other land. We'll see you in a hundred years <laughs> or so. Uh, and then uh, boom, uh, Valeria explodes, and the the doom of Valeria happens. And they're like, well, look at us. We're winning. <laughs> Um, yeah, so some good questions. Uh, Ranger Donald says uh, uh, Starks will be in the show somehow. Uh, Ranger Donald also um, says Ooh, okay. Lannisters don't exist. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the history of the Lannisters and Land the Clever and all that kind of stuff is mm-hmm. uh, aren't immediately popping into my brain right now, which is why I'm, I'm saying Cashley Talk is a small ecosystem of the Game of Thrones <laughs> discussion world. Uh, you can get that information uh, out there as well. Uh, high towers, yes. Uh, Otto Hightower uh, is uh, going to be prominent in the show. You're going to meet the High Towers, uh, the Valerians. You're going to meet um, uh, uh, a lot of those. Uh, yeah, Cashley's uh, uh, possibly there. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, a lot I, of that. Yeah, I, I would love to see too. I mean, if they even go north of the Wall. Yeah. Like, do they even touch those type of stories? Yeah, because I, again, maybe this is explained in books and whatnot. So this is why I I, I lend my yeah. my my knowledge and gaining from you. But do we even know like how far the Night King was building his army up? Because obviously it didn't take a day. Like this, this must have been like a process. How long? I mean, was two hundred years too early, or is it like? I see, you know, that'd be... It's a, it's a cool. great question. I want to highlight this comment from Lizzie Bennett. Hi, Lizzie. Mm-hmm. The Lannisters are cast. That's true. But I can't wait to see who plays Krieg and Stark. Uh, yeah, Ooh, so there. So, okay. see, Lauren, you're, you're going to be getting some of these names. And, and thank you, everyone in chat, for jumping in there with the information. In terms mm-hmm. of that stuff, so we talked earlier about show-only characters that you might like over, you know, uh, something that's not in the book or a different version of the book. Night, the Night mm-hmm. King, uh, you know, versus uh, um, the Night's King is, is something It's different. It, it's essentially show-only. Uh, inspired greatly by what's at play in the books, to be clear. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't want anyone to misquote me or misunderstand me on that. But it's it's kind of its own thing in a way. So uh, the show can play around with that lore and can play around that history. But for me, for my money, I think it's mm-hmm. it's a time period where, um, you know, like, like what's OSHA say? They were sleeping, but they ain't sleeping no more. Like, they're right. sleeping. So whatever, whatever happened might have already happened. The long night, some of the stuff that might have been in maybe Blood Moon, maybe some of the other stuff. But what you're asking is something uh, that I think needs to be thought about. Again, going back to Stepachnik's quote, you just saw this big battle. You just saw the White Walkers return in eight seasons of Game of Thrones, but are mm-hmm. you going to feel their absence? I personally don't think you will. I think you'd be so busy with this stuff that, mm-hmm. uh, and, the Night's, uh, and the Night's Watch is clearly a, a part of this show, been around for generations up there, we know. Right. So they might factor in some way, but I just don't think it's going to be in the same way. And maybe people aren't calling out for that. I don't know. In talking about in That's general true. fans, I don't know. Yeah. But uh, yeah. it's going to be because you know me. I have my Night's Watch hat. I love the Night's Watch. <laughs> I love yeah. the story north of the wall. Um, so we'll see. But I, one thing I'll say: I, you, your hands will be so full with Targaryens yelling yeah. at Targaryens that I think you're not going to miss it. Because <laughs> I, I, from what my very limited knowledge of the House of Blood book, mm-hmm. it, it is like a huge family soap opera with the with the Targaryen. So that yeah. alone, like you're saying, will probably be a, an amazing storytelling in itself. Yeah. And even if we stay in that kind of realm of Targaryens and just the families and don't go north of the wall, like you said, you're we're gonna be so intrigued with it that we probably won't notice it. But yeah. it's just be I just I'd just be curious because as like as a fan of the show, like do they try to tell people that are that are kind of like me like hey 
remember these people, remember these mm-hmm. names, these events. Like, I think that's probably, I know what yeah. you think. Like, maybe that's how they get them back into watching, yeah. you know, Game of Thrones and, like, the Westeros story. Because there's so much to do in Westeros. Like, I just, it, it's, it's such a great, <laughs> a great story. It's like a good theme park. There's just a lot to do. <laughs> Do you want to go? You want to go down the water slides in Dorne? You can go there. You can go up to you know the Matterhorn up there north of the wall. Yeah, right. there's a lot, and and that's what's intriguing to me. And the focus is clearly on uh, the Targaryens, House of right. the Dragon being the name of the show. Targaryen Civil War is what we uh, know and do believe we're going into. But yeah, there's so many other things at play, and there's so many other characters that will will uh, will spring out. Um, that yeah, I think I, I, I'm excited to see what the show will do, and and mm-hmm. I I don't necessarily think it'll be centralized. I mean, like for me, like I, I'd love to see. A lot of Essos. I love to, you know, meet oh, yeah, meet some great. Dothraki we haven't even met yet that aren't even in the books. Or they, like, I, I would love to play around with that too and and mm-hmm. see. But this is also an, and, and and I think if you're watching this show now and you're listening, I'm talking this one, Castle Talk. I think you're of the 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 Game, Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire ilk, where uh, we'll take any of these stories and we'll take 15 mm-hmm. shows. Like <laughs> if there's just a show called Burr, it's cold. It's the story of the Night King. Like I'll I'll take that. Oh, if, yeah. if you want to just go to a Bravo series, <laughs> I'll take that. I, <laughs> and I know I know they're working a lot of those animated shows, and I'll, I mm-hmm. even know a little insight into some of what's going on with the animated shows, and it's all pretty interesting, and it's all mm-hmm. pretty potentially special, potentially fun for fans of this world who want to spend more time in all corners of this uh, universe, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Dorne would be another place too. I think obviously it seems like we'll be definitely going there in the show to explore more mm-hmm. and to really kind of learn that kind of the politics within that, how these families and how that all yeah. kind of transpired to what we know as to 200 years later. So yeah, I, I'm so, I'm so excited to get back into Westeros, like just yeah. the, the politics of it. Like I was saying, the, just the, the storylines that we are, are going to potentially see in the characters and these moments and these, yeah. You know, dragons, like we are going to see so many dragons. You're going to see a lot of dragons. It's going to be cool. Like, I mean, that was one of the best parts as a as a fan of the show was when, you know, the the progression of these dragons growing and becoming bigger. And then just the CGI of it was Mm -hmm. amazing. So just to see kind of that more focus is going to be really cool for me, for sure. Love that. I love that you're excited for it. I love that you're excited for it as someone who loves the show and maybe hasn't taken that deep dive into the books yet. I think that's Mm -hmm. uh, a great spot to be. Uh, But yeah, I do recommend reading Fire and Blood. Again, with 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 the compromise we reached with Nathan, I think it's a good way to go. Maybe read up until the Dance of the Dragons and, and then don't go Beyond it, and then you won't be spoiled for the show, but you'll have a, a, a little bit better lay of the land. I don't know. I don't know. Eric, Ranger Donna, Lizzie, what do you guys think there? Should you read Fire and Blood up until about that point uh, before you watch this show? We'll see. Uh, we'll yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, again, what, I mean, the, like you're saying, like we talked about earlier, George R. R. Martin, the books. Yeah. Will he finish it? What's going to happen with that? You know, so, and then just even Game of Thrones as a whole, mm. like, I would love, obviously, I, I like that they're going back to kind of talk about the Targaryens and that family, the dynasty that we were so accustomed to hearing about in Game of Thrones yeah. a lot. To see that, like, transpire is going to be cool. But then I, I really, and I know there's a lot of talks of different shows, like you're saying, the animated series and stuff. I would love a after post Game of Thrones, and maybe we'll never get this, maybe not, but like a post Game of Thrones 
what's Arya doing? Did she ever find yeah. what's West or Westeros? Like that would be it, fun stuff to explore. To me, you know, and, and it's certainly something uh, that comes up every now and then. And we believe it's, you know, certainly don't believe it's in the works or anything. But I think that's mm-hmm. type. What I love about what's going on right here right now is this expansion of this franchise because HBO mm-hmm. needs to win the streaming wars, wants to win the streaming <laughs> wars. That's yep. why we're in this position, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. You, you know, we're looking over at Star Wars, which is now 10 years into the Disney era, six years uh, or so removed from Force Awakens. Uh, we're, we're in a spot where 2022, in terms of Star Wars TV, might be bigger than we could have ever expected. Oh, and yeah. things that weren't th- maybe thought of but weren't fully planned when this sale happened or even when the era launched with actually first Star Wars Rebels in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, five years from now... You know, they, they they approach Maisie Williams and say, "Yeah, you want to do a limited series of of Arya's journey west?" Okay. Yeah, absolutely. She might not want to do it now. They might want not might not want to do it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, George might not want that to happen now. Who knows? But I think five years from now, if this works, if House of the Dragon is going, if if the animated shows uh, start to explode and and people are liking them, and I don't I don't think it needs to be to the level of Game of Thrones with the millions and millions and millions of people watching. I just think it needs to, to work enough to, to there's a love for this. Then we could yeah. spend that time going with that stuff. So I'm, I'm holding out hope for that if, if you are too. Yeah, no, I, I totally am, man. I mean, it would just be, it'd be fun to, again, this is definitely more of a, a show fan perspective for me is, mm. you know, because those characters were so cool in Game of Thrones, the Arya, the, you know, the Jon Snow's, Sansa, like, all yeah. that, like I want, like definitely for me, I want more of their stories because I would love to see what's the next step, what happens, yeah. what happens to Bran as he's you know ruling Westeros, and yeah. what's what's happening in, in Essos, like you're saying, like what 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 have we missed? What are we going to learn? What could we learn really in the future yeah. and all that? But like I totally agree. I think it really comes down to George <laughs> finishing the book and then maybe yeah. saying, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, look. Uh, uh, I, I also think uh, I, I would watch a two-hour HBO Max movie of just <laughs> Jon Snow sitting in the snow north of the wall relaxing. Yep, me too. Not worried about anything. <laughs> he and Tormund hanging out. Maybe Jon meets a nice person he falls in love with. He maybe goes mm-hmm. back to a different cave. I don't know. Just nothing. <laughs> no drama. No nothing. Just two hours of Jon Snow going, oh, this is nice. This is kind of nice. <laughs> I, be, I, I remember that. Uh, Lizzie, Lizzie chimes in with another great comment. Lizzie, good to have you here today. Maybe a good thing to, to, to read The Rogue Prince to know a bit about Damon Targaryen. I recommend Ooh, okay. that as well. And I think I actually have to take a deeper dive into Rogue Prince. I'm staring off screen at my bookshelf to make sure I have that. I have the book Winning Westeros, which is a realistic look at how you can military win, the, win <laughs> Westeros with the military. Um, Beyond the Wall, I have a lot of different stories, uh, books over there. I think I got to make sure. And then... Uh, I have a lot of the Dunkin' Egg stuff, too, which won't necessarily factor into this story. But, yeah, uh, Rogue yeah. Prince is a great call, Lizzie. That's that's great stuff. Get ready for House of the Dragon, which is what we're going to be doing here. Any final thoughts here, Lauren? No, just, yeah, just super excited for the show. Really excited to get back into Westeros because it was such a cool, it's, it's such a cool world. You yeah. know, like, like we've been talking about, like, it's political. It has that sci-fi to it. Like, it's just a really well-rounded world where it, it has everything for everybody, right? If you like the little political thrillers, yeah. if you like the sci-fi aspect, if you like the dragons and all that, it has everything for you, and, it, and it's good. It's yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Lauren, I appreciate that. And, and tell them, uh, since you're kind of a de facto guest here today, you're not just calling in, <laughs> tell, them, uh, tell them where you can uh, be found, because you've got a lot of great podcasts out there. I want them all to hear. 
Yeah, so uh, Star Wars, I have a Star Wars podcast called The Galactic Pod, or The Galactic Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at The Galactic Pod. And then I have a kind of general geeky uh, podcast called The Geek Broads Cast. And we are at Geek Broads Pod on Twitter. I really should have worked on that because it really is, comes off the tongue a little twisty. So. <laughs> but you can follow me on all those. We're on Apple Pod, Google Play, all the good stuff. And then you can find me if you want to, Loro Knows on Twitter. Love it. Absolutely. Good to have you here. Lauren Roman, hey, we'll have fun. you back again. Thanks for checking in. And thanks for being excited about more Game of Thrones content. Yeah, absolutely, pal. Absolutely. All right. There we go. Lauren Romo there. And uh, jo- Eric Monroe says that John and Ghost Adventures, <laughs> who wouldn't be down for that? Just ghosts with one ear, a little damaged scar eye, just hanging out with John. Tormund just telling stories about screwing bears, and, and John just nodding his lawn, nodding along. I think I'd be there for that. All right, on that note, I think we're going to start to wrap up here today. Thank you all for listening to Casually Talk. We'll be back next week and in the coming weeks with the uh, look at Season 4 as we do the deep dives on the rewatch there. But we'll be doing this more from time to time. Casually Talk, the podcast, is still out there and available for all of you. Uh, But also don't forget to subscribe on YouTube and hit that bell. It's not shame, as we learned. It's just hitting the bell. Uh, We're part of uh, currently the Blue Wire Podcast Feed Network uh, brought to you by the Good People Association, but as you have all heard, we're making that we made that announcement real recently. Uh, content and programming will change and uh, essentially cease as it is now over GPA. But uh, the podcast feed, uh, we're trying to work out the details on that. But Casually Talk will remain somehow, some way. It will be a podcast, and you'll be able to find it as you always have been able to find it wherever uh, podcasts are found. Victor chiming in there. Thanks for being Victor. Thank you for your Streamlab donation today. That means a lot. Trey T, awesome episode. No, you're awesome, Trey. And Trey, I got your recommendation coming up on Mixcloud, uh, uh, my show over there, Pop Rocket Radio. Uh, check that out uh, this uh, Friday night. I'll have your uh, uh, thing on there. Eric Moreau, thanks you. Thank you for your support, as always. And Lizzie, thanks for your comments. You guys are so helpful. Love having a nice, positive uh, atmosphere to discuss this wonderful world we all love and get ready for House of the Dragon. Look back on Game of Thrones and just get ready for whatever is coming our way. Um, there you go. <laughs> I love this. Next Christmas with Tormund, Ghost, and John. Lizzie has the comment of the day there. Uh, that is uh, amazing. Uh, Amelia Clark can sing in that one as well. Um, all right, that's it, friends. That is it. We'll see you next time here on Casterly Talk. <laughs>